Uh, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast of last week because it really does tie in. It's not part of this message, but uh, part of the series. But in a sense, it is because what it is is we talked about the whole thing about uh, the reality between saying that we love God and how we love God and, and how connected it is to how we love everything else. That uh, The Luke 14 passage we looked at last week really challenged us to ask this question. You know, do I love God with the same kind of love I love with everybody else or is it something different? Because Jesus told us very clearly in that passage last week that we're to love God, we're to love Jesus with a love that's way beyond the love that we have for anything else. Our, our spouse, our, our uh, kids, anything. It's on another level. And he used some really strong language to talk about that. And so I hope that you go back and listen to that message. And, and uh, it'll kind of be a groundwork uh, from some foundation for what we'll be talking about here. We're going to be using, doing a series for the next three weeks called Practical Atheist. If you'd like to read some more information about this same area, I would encourage you to go to a book by Craig Rochelle, who is a pastor of Life Church. He wrote a book called Christian Atheist. Um, I read that about two years ago and uh, was challenged by the, the, the things in that book. And so you can go, and this kind of goes along with what this uh, series is all about. But we're going to ask this question about are you who you say you are? And today we're going to be talking about I believe in God, but I don't fear him. And um, you know that the Gallup poll, recent Gallup polls, show that 94% of Americans say they believe in God or some higher spiritual being. Uh, but I would challenge that oh, even though we, 94% of Americans say that, I really don't think that 94% of Americans fear God. Because when we understand as we look today about what it means in Scripture to fear God with a healthy fear, you're going like, oh man, I could not come on a love God Sunday or something, you know, a fear, you know. You know, no, this is, this is really important, folks, for us to understand. Because some of us have this, uh, you know, uh, kind of misunderstanding of what it means to fear God. And I hope that we can clear that up today. Um, you know, some people say, well, I believe in God, but I don't, but I, but I want to do whatever I want to do. You know, I love, I believe in God, but I want to do whatever I want to do. I want enough of God to keep me out of hell and enough of God to get me into heaven, but, but I don't want so much of God that it makes me change my lifestyle or, or, or because at the root of, I believe in God, but I, I really don't fear Him. I'm really what's called a practical atheist. None of you would say, I mean, if I took a survey this morning, none of you would say you're an atheist. I, I would doubt it if you wouldn't be here at Great Oaks if you said you're an atheist unless you're really challenging your, 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 your thinking. But if you're taking notes this morning, let me give you a, a, a definition of a practical atheist. A practical atheist is this. Someone who believes in God but lives as if he or she doesn't exist. God, if, if God doesn't exist. Someone who believes in God but lives as if God doesn't exist. There's a passage in Titus that really kind of says this. In a real sense, it's kind of the key passage for this whole series. And it says this in Titus 1.16. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. And then the the writer of Titus then says this. uh, He says this. He says, they are detestable. These people who claim to know God, but by their actions, deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Okay. So this is the groundwork of where we're going. We're going to talk about what it means to be someone and why it's dangerous from a, from a perspective of a Christian that you're only fooling yourself when you say, oh, I believe in God, but it doesn't affect you in any way other than simply saying that maybe I go to church on Sundays or, or I have some, some kind of a belief system. But because our beliefs and our actions have to go hand in hand 
if we truly believe in God the way God wants us to believe in Him. Belief and action go together. And what I want to say to you, if, if you will hang in there for the three weeks of this series, that I really believe that if you're open to God's Spirit working in your life, because we at Great Oaks, what we're here for is not just to give you information, but we're to help you to understand the Scripture in such a way that it transforms who you are. So that you become who God wants you to be. And you take that next step with Him. And I promise you that if you'll do that, if you'll be open to God's Spirit doing that, I promise you that God will do something significant in your life over the next three weeks. Because we were going to look at, at three things. We're going to look at the challenge that I believe in God, but you know, I really don't want to go too far with that belief in God. I don't, I don't want to go overboard. We're talking about that next week. In a couple of weeks from now, we're talking about, you know, I believe in God, but, uh, I really don't know Him. And I want to challenge that notion that saying if you really believe in God that you will want to know him. And you want to know him in the deepest level. Because that's the only way that you can really become what God wants you to be. It's about knowing God in an intimate personal level. But today what we're going to look at is the reality that so many people believe in God but simply don't fear him. Now I understand something. I was I went back to Virginia during the holidays to visit family and we traveled there, and I was going in, in, into Main Street in Salem, Virginia, where I lived for most of my life, and going down the road there, just past everything. I noticed that there was the same, some, some of the same restaurants that had been there for years, and it was one in particular that I realized we didn't have one like it here in Illinois. We needed to step up, you know. It was called K&W Cafeteria. Any, do we have any cafeterias? I mean, I mean a real cafeteria in Illinois. There's not one around Illinois. And then you know what a cafeteria is. Now, I'm not talking about a school cafeteria. If you know what a school cafeteria is, it's kind of like. But, man, in, in Virginia, we had this, this chain of restaurants, and they're still there, called K&W Cafeterias. And the cool thing about a cafeteria is, and I like them better than buffets. They're kind of like it, but buffets, all the food's out there, and everybody can get all over the food and mess it up. I hate, I don't like buffets. You know? Ugh. You know, they got these, these sneeze things there. I don't know if that really works, you know. <laughs> Isn't that great to think about this morning? But you know, it's the truth, right? You ever thought about that? You go to a buffet, everybody and their brother can get their hands on it. So I'm not real crazy at buff- buffet. So if you invite me out to dinner, don't take me to a buffet. Um, but the issue is, cafeterias are different. And I remember for a long time growing up, one of, you know, we used to go to K&W probably once a week. And it's this really nice cafeteria where you go in this long line and there's these glass things you can only see through, you can't even touch the food. And there's these ladies back there, just like the school cafeteria, and they got the hairnets on, they got the whole thing going, you know. And they're back there and, they're, and you start and you get your tray and they have like 20 different entrees there, man. They got everything, you know, country fried steak, you know, praise God. And, you know, and, uh, I can't eat that anymore, but, uh, you know, and all the things that are, you know, good and bad for you. And you just go down the line and you say, I want this and I want this. You know, and I remember taking some youth there one time. These guys, three guys that were football players, they took two trays every time they would go. And they'd just fill them up. And they'd have all this stuff, you know. You go down and, you know, if you don't like, if you don't like Brussels sprouts, you don't have to eat them. But if somebody does, they're there. I mean, you get what you want. It's like the perfect place. And so the food's all, you know, very, very well maintained. It's a really cool place. You pick and choose. And then when you get to the end of the line, they got to total it all up. And you pay for it and you go on your way. Well, the problem is that so many people treat Christianity like, like, a, like a cafeteria. It's like pick and choose. Uh, you get to go through and you pick and choose what you want. Uh, uh, well, I'll take a little bit of God's grace. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, give me a helping of that. But I don't want any judgment, please. Don't want that because that wouldn't, you know, I just don't want that. Or, or I'll take uh, this verse that says God blesses me. I'll give a, I want a double portion of that. But, you know, don't, uh, don't give me anything, you know, you know, don't ask me to serve God. Don't ask me to, to, uh, to do anything that would, that would cramp my style, that would change the way I have to make decisions in life. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I want this way. And I don't want this way. And, and, and we go through this thing and we sometimes think that's the way we're supposed to live the Christian life. We have this consumer mindset in regards to Christianity. We'll take parts of it, the parts of it we don't want to have. The problem is, is that's not the way God says to us, you know, in life that we're, he's going to have, you know, blessings and he'll have judgment at both. We have both. And we forget at the end of the line that even in a cafeteria you still have to pay, Right? There, there's that reality. <clears throat> and so in a real sense, I read the reason, I believe the reason, one of the key reasons is that people don't live the way that they should in regard to the way that we follow Christ is that we, we have this mindset, this cafeteria mindset in regard to Christianity is because we don't fear God. We think God is just another thing on the menu. And last week, that's why I laid out last week's verse. Last week showed us differently. It said in Luke 14, it says, it says we're to, and if you weren't here, uh, it says this, and go back and read it, verses 25 through 35. It says, it says that we're to hate, it says, if you do not, if you love me, you obey me, and you said you will hate your father, your mother, your sisters, your, I will say that. And you're going like, what? And I'm going like, well, no. And I explained that last week's scripture is simply saying, in light of all of scripture, is that it's a, it's a different level of love. It's it's so far beyond so far beyond the love that we have for for siblings and for spouses and for and for everything else that it almost seems like hate sometimes. That it's so far above we place them at such a high level. And that song we sang earlier, that Revelation song, it says, "God, you are my everything." And we like to sing those type of songs because it's a great song. It has a great great music. You know, it's cool. It's great. I love it. But we got to think about what we're singing sometimes because if we say that, we better mean it. Because this morning, the audience was not the people around you. The audience was God. And when you say, God, I, you know, you are my everything, it literally means that. You can't pick and choose. God has for you a plan and a purpose for your life. And he, does, he wants us to understand that we have to have this, this, this healthy fear of him. And we're going to talk about that more this morning. Uh, there, there's kind of like... In the book of Psalms, um, there's this verse that really captures the essence of the problem. And I think it's this. In Psalm 36, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God to restrain them. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. See, the Bible says, in a real sense here, that sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. The Bible says they have no fear that holds them back to restrain them from doing the things. Uh, think about that for a minute. They have no fear of God to hold them back to restrain them. No fear of God to change uh, anything about the way they live. And, and it says in their blind conceit, they don't even know this. It's an amazing verse. Sin whispers to the wicked, it says. Uh, what is it? What does sin whisper to the wicked? We can only imagine, but I don't know. But it might whisper, hey, go ahead and do that. You deserve it. Now, you've worked hard. 
It might say, uh, live a little. You're not as bad as everyone else. Go ahead. Do it. It might say, I don't know. God's going to forgive you anyway. You might as well do it. Sin whispers that. Sin whispers to the wicked. And you know, and I don't know about you, but I am so glad that me and you, that we're not the wicked. Aren't you glad? That's talking about somebody else, the guy that lives down the road there, the guy that you, the jerk that lives down the road that you really don't like too much. That's the wicked, right? That's who this verse is talking about. I don't know. Is it? You know, what if this verse is talking to us? Because we don't like to see ourselves as wicked, do we? We we like to see ourselves as good. I mean, I go to church on Sunday at Great Oaks, man. You can't get any better than that. So I'm not wicked. What if in our blind conceit we, we can't see how wicked we really are? You know, the Bible says that not one of us are good. No, not one. It says that in Scripture. No one is perfectly good in, in every way. You're going like, well, how, what about Billy Graham and Mother Teresa? They were to be the first to admit that they have wickedness and sin in their hearts. And they fight it every day and they, and they deal with it and they ask for forgiveness for it every day and they help, they, they want it not to, to guide their lives. So what if we are like so many people, we believe in God, but we really don't fear him? And like I said, some of you are going like, man, I knew I should have come a different week. You know, this this guy has a Baptist background. And some of you think, and I found this to be interesting, some of you think that all Baptists are hellfire and brimstone. You really do. Uh, I, that wasn't my Baptist upbringing, by the way, okay? I mean, I didn't come out of a ba- hellfire and bre- uh, brimstone church. Uh, my father-in-law would be considered, who was pastor of my church for many, many years. I, I knew him. Uh, I mean, knew him as my pastor for my teen years on. Uh, was was a guy who's I would consider a moderate conservative. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Very conservative, but on the moderate end of that. And so the thing is, is that I never heard a, a, a message on hell the whole time I was at, growing up at Bethel Baptist Church in Salem, Virginia. I've never taught a message on hell. But the thing is here is the thing is that sometimes some people will think, you know, well, could, not, could we come on a uh, love of God week? And, and, you know, I want to understand something today. Some of you have the wrong understanding of what it means to fear God. I, I was talking to some people that grew up out of other backgrounds. And I know that some of you came out of different backgrounds. And I'm not going to mention what they are. But I know some of you came out of backgrounds that was in the churches that fear of God was mentioned in a lot of times in your background, in your church. And I'm sorry that it was mentioned in the way it was because the fear of God that we see in Scripture is about an awe, a reverence for God. It's about this amazing, that the closer you get to God, the more you know God, the more amazing, you just audit God. And it just almost brings you to your knees. You see, it's this holy sense of God's divine. It's this, wow, that you are God. And yeah, I can have a, and God, the God of creation wants to have a relationship with me, but it's not like the relationship I have with my spouse or anybody else because it's not a, a, a relationship with an equal. It's a relationship with the God who was before we were, who cares about the intimate details of my life. 
the one who was and is and is to come. It's, it's, this, it's this incredible understanding that the God that, that we have this relationship with is, is ever-present. He's all-knowing. In everything he does, he's perfect. And that's the God that I need to fear with a reverence and an awe. Not fearing he's going to strike me down because I do something wrong because it's the same God who, expre- who loves me unconditionally. It's the same God who sent his son to die for me. That's the God I fear. I reverence. I have awe for. And you see, the more you get to know that God, the more you see his character, his power, his nature, his goodness, his glory, his transcendence, all these big words, the closer you get to him, the more in awe you are of him. And the more you have this holy fear of him, of who he is, that I want to to pay attention to him. And I want to follow him. And I want to obey him. The problem is, if you don't fear God, and so many don't who say they believe in God, it's simply because you don't know him very well. We're going to lead to that. The last week I'm going to talk about, I wish I had more time today, but the last week I'm going to talk about knowing God, how important it is if we really fear God, and if we really love God, we need to know God and what it means to know him. So the last few minutes this morning, the last ten minutes or so, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about two areas, two things that happens in our life when you truly fear God with a healthy reverence and awe of God. Just two things. could have talked about a whole bunch, but I chose two this morning. First, this. When you truly fear God, you'll serve Him wholeheartedly without any conditions. You'll serve Him wholeheartedly without any conditions. The reality today is most people have this cafeteria mindset. We have this, we, we, we serve God with conditions. Almost everybody does. I don't know what yours would be, but I mean, it's common ones. Well, I, you know, I've, and I've heard this before, you know, just indulge me for just a moment. But, you know, I've heard people say things, well, I'm going to serve God, but I'm not going to start sleeping. I'm not going to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. I'm going like, oh, really? You really love God a lot, don't you? You really have a lot of fear of God. All, all in reverence of God? No. Are, are, you, are you not, I'm going to serve God, but there's no way I'm going to, I'm going to tithe. I mean, give 10% of my money to, to the church to, 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 no way. You don't understand all the stuff I got, you know, out there. I, I mean, I've got too many things to do. I'm going to serve God, but, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I believe in God, but hey, you know, I may every once in a while take his name in vain because, you know, sometimes it just slips. This is the way it is. Yeah, I'm going to serve God, but but I'm not going to Africa. I had somebody ask me when I was in Virginia. I thought this was hilarious. This was a family member. I'm not going to say who it was. Um, because they sometimes can listen to podcasts too. Uh, they asked me, why in the world are you going to Africa on a mission trip into the jungle? I'm going because God told me to. You heard a voice? No, I didn't hear a voice. No, I'm not totally crazy. Just partially. And, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, I really believe it's something that God is leading me to do. 
I mean, not everybody has to go to Africa. You know, this weekend right now, uh, Mike Hazelbush is over. Where's he at? He's in Spain. I mean, that's not as bad as Africa, though. You know, that's, you know, you know, he's over there talking to the Basque. He's working. He's serving God. But, you know, he's he's using his own resources. He didn't ask the church for any resources. Okay, he took off to Spain to help to to begin to to build some relationship with the Basque who was going to be here this summer. You know, and God, I was going, why you do it? Because, man, Mike's passionate about that. You see. We, when, when, when you really fear it, when you truly fear God, you serve Him wholeheartedly without any conditions. You just ask God. It, it, your prayers are like this. Okay, God, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Okay, now tell me. Instead of like, well, God, you know, this is my prayer. This is what I want to pray. Now, now, you just kind of like, uh, <laughs> you just kind of like listen to what I say and bless it. That's how we usually pray most of the time. Bless what I'm planning on doing, God. Instead of asking God, okay, God, what is it you want me to do? I'll do it. Whatever, the, whatever you want me to do, God, the answer is yes. I think one of the most amazing stories in all of Scripture that speaks to this is in the Old Testament when God spoke to a father whose name was Abraham, and he said, I want you to offer your son Isaac as a sacrifice to me. I'm going like, there's no way in the world that I would do that. And I don't know if any of you guys would do that either. As spiritual and as godly as some of you are, I know, I mean, offering your son as a sacrifice? That's insane. But if you read the Old Testament, uh, just, to, just to make the story short, basically what happened was he did it. He said, okay, God, you told me this was going to be the promise. It was going to, I was going to be a father of nations. All this was going to happen. And now you want me to offer my son as a sacrifice? Okay, God, the answer is yes. I'm sure it wasn't yes. But then as we read through the story, it says... It says in Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, it says, do not lay, this is what God says to him after he says yes. He says, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to, to him. Now I know that you fear God. I know that you fear God because you're obedient and it's because you, 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 because you have said to me, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You have, you serve me wholeheartedly without any conditions. See, the greatest evidence of the fear of God, the healthy fear of God, is that we, the greatest visible evidence of fear of God is obedience to God. John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, you will do what? You will obey what I command. There's a tie-in between our actions and our words. And that's the thing we have to understand. Basically, what drives many of us and many people today is this consumeristic mindset. God, if you can, you know, I'll follow you if you can fix my life. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, I want, you know, I just say this prayer and we tell people, you know, if you want your life, if you want your life to be you know, better, and I'm not really sure we should say that. If we want your life to be better, follow Christ. And I know it's better, ultimately, but it doesn't mean he's going to fix everything between now and then. The way you want it fixed. And the way I want it fixed. 
Because the second point is this. It's that sometimes when we have this fear and this reverence and this awe of God, not only do we obey God unconditionally, but also instead of fixing our life, what God will often do is this. He'll, you'll be forever different. You'll be different. That's the second point. You'll be forever different. Go to the next slide. One more slide there. There you go. You'll be forever different. You will never be the same again. There's a song. There's a, there's a Christian song. I'll never be the same again. That literally should be different. That should be true in our life. That when we have a fear of God and in God we have this awe and this reverence of God, what happens in our life and when we say, I love God, I want to follow Him, I want to serve Him, that we will be different. We won't be the same. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, there's, there is, I, I love the Old Testament because there's so many great stories in the Old Testament that just kind of illustrate everything that's, that's happening in the New Testament. But there's this, there's this passage over in Isaiah chapter 6. You can read the whole, whole, and you can read the whole chapter this week. I encourage you to do that. But one of the greatest examples of this, that everything, you know, what happens when you, you, you really fear God and you, and you place Him at prominence in your life, what happens is you'll never be the same. And the things that used to matter to you no longer matter to you the way they used to. In Isaiah chapter 6, I'll just kind of tell you the story real quickly before we close. It's kind of like this. The verse starts out this way. In verse chapter 1, it says that in the year that King Uzziah was uh, died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when he says in the year that King Uzziah, it's kind of translated into our times, that was the year that the person that he didn't want to get president, elected president got elected president, so it wasn't a good time in their life, you know? So it wasn't a great time. He said, you know, that's what kind of, what it's saying. That year the world fell apart in their eyes and it was a very real in this time. And he said, but during that time I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw God glorified in the midst of all the chaos in the world. And then he goes on to say, he gives this description of this miraculous saying of, of seeing, uh, the Lord has, uh, uh, his robe filled the whole temple and smoke was all over the place. And you, and you read it and you're going, what's that all? It's just this description of something that's indescribable. And he says the outcome of this encounter with God, of, of just being before God, in verse, in verse uh, 5 he says this. He says, this is what happens when God came into my life and I've just learned this awe, this reverence, this fear of God in a healthy way. He says, woe to me, I cried, for I am ruined and you're going like that's not a good thing is it yeah it is god wants to take our lives and change it to make everything different and we might look at it as being ruined and this word here is ruined in a good way for i am a man he says this for this is what i was i was a man for i'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And when he saw the King, forever he was ruined. It means that he was never the same again. When God comes into our life and we begin to fear him with a, uh, with a healthy, reverent awe and fear, what happens is, is that we will want to serve him unconditionally. But secondly, we will be forever different. We will be ruined in a good way. And I have to say this because, because it's so true. It, when you see him, it's going to change your priorities. I gotta tell you this. Years ago, years ago, um, and I say this in our culture, and I know this is going to hit the nerve of some of you guys, particularly some of you girls too. But you know, I used to be a, a, such a fanatic in regard to sports. Man, Sunday afternoon was what? 
football. Saturday afternoon was football. During basketball season, man, I was in heaven. March Madness is like heaven to me. Used to be, not quite as much. But for some reason over the years, it's become less and 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 less important to me. I still like to watch sports. I watched a game yesterday. Had a good time. San Francisco. New Orleans, good game. The other game wasn't too good. Especially if you're a Tebow fan. I don't know what happened in the second half. First half was horrible. But, uh, yeah, down, it kept going downhill for, I figured it was. <laughs> you know? So, see, I know what's going on. It's just that I go and like, okay, it's a game. Tomorrow the world keeps going. It's not a big deal. It's hard for me to get excited anymore about that stuff. It really is. I'm forever ruined in regard to my passion for sports. But it's not necessarily, it means that, that I'm, that I'm ruined in that way, but it means that now I spend a lot of time focusing on things that I think are more long-term and life-changing. That's how God has changed me. And I have to say, as I've gotten older, one of the things that's, that's, that's true is that, that I realize that that's a good thing. That being ruined in a biblical way is a good thing. It means that you, you're different. That when you truly reverence God, that your life will be ruined in a good way. That God will change your priorities. At the end of the passage, I thought it was interesting because here's this guy, Isaiah, who's kind of holding back. And at the end of the passage, when, the, when, when God is calling out for who, who's going to follow me, this is what he says in verse 8. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go with us? And then Isaiah says, here I am, send me! i got to tell you this. You know, what keeps me awake at night at this season in my life is the reality at some level I'm going to answer for what I share with you. I'm not responsible for you. I know that, okay? You're responsible for you. But I am responsible for what I share with you and how I share it with you. And at this stage of my life is... And I'm going to like, this sounds morbid. But as you get older and you start thinking about what kind of legacy you're going to leave, you know, it should start when we're 20 instead of when we're 57. But it should start. But the thing is, is that when I ask that, I'm going like, okay, man, I don't have as much time as I used to, so I got to, it's, it's more urgent. And I see so many people who simply say, I believe in God, but they simply have this cafeteria mindset that I'm just going to pick and choose whatever I want to do. And a lot of those people go to Great Oaks and they're good. I'm not saying you're bad folks. Don't hear me say that. But the reality is, is that I want you to understand that following Christ is not about picking and choosing. It's about serving him wholeheartedly. It's about being forever ruined in a good way that God will change our priorities in our life. I don't believe it's about consumeristic Christianity, which I believe is anti-biblical. I want all of us to say, I believe in God, I love God, and I fear Him. And because I fear Him, I'm going to put Him at the highest level of my priorities, and I'm going to serve Him wholeheartedly. And I beg Him to ruin me.
to change me into what he wants me to be. Because ultimately, I know that's the best. Because it's God's plan for me. Let's pray this morning. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.